Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome back this week to another episode here at Southern Ground Hunting. Uh, we've got a really, really excited one that I, I think I'm I'm pretty excited about. Going to learn a lot through this and uh, just dive into it. Uh, we talked with y'all last week, just the guys. Uh, Pretty much going over kind of what we do postseason, what we see, what we've seen. But tonight we uh we brought in uh, one of our probably favorite guests that we've had on over the the course of the podcast. Been on with us a couple times. It's uh, Mr. Dave Miller. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we doing just fine. Trying to trying to bit, bite off the bitter cold here in the south. That we got a little cold <laughs> front and trying to get ready for spring, but it. We're ready for it to get going. We're ready for those uh, seventy degree weather days to come back. Yeah, but uh, old man, old man winter's been hanging on this year. Yeah, you, you you probably have your fair share. Listen, we've we've been here in Florida. I'm here in Florida right now hunting turkeys, and you expect it's going to be dang, you know, seventy, eighty degrees when you're down here by the coast. It's been cold. It's been chilly down here. It's like in the in the low forties in the mornings. You know, high thirties. It's been pretty crazy, especially considering, like the ocean yeah. is right there. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. It'll it'll hit you, but uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna jump into deer. Just go go straight into it. Um, I know it, it's we've said it before. It's hard to really think think deer right now, especially after a hard fault season. Um, and yeah. how how you can start preparing right now for next year. Uh, not many people want to do it. Um, but not many people kill the deer that you do or, or find the things in the wood that you do, woods that you do. So we're going to jump in, you know, everything from shed hunting to the, the postseason to even, you know, I think we talked last week about how it just seems that these deer disappear. Um, mm. You don't know where they, they, they've gone, you know, whether it's the transition of food sources. So yeah. I really want to just, just jump in, you know, I know you're up from the, in the mountains, but for the people who yeah. don't know, kind of tell them, you know, who you are um, and, and kind of how you hunt and scout. Yeah. Yeah. My name is David Miller and, um, you know, my background is, is biology and I do a lot of uh, habitat management for, uh, for, for myself and my properties where I hunt as well as for other friends and, and some clients that I do some, uh, some work for uh, doing habitat management. So, you know, uh, I am out in the woods, out in the woods a lot. <laughs> so you know, one of the things that you had mentioned was, um, you know, the process of shed hunting. And, and I was telling you that 
while I'm out shed hunting, not only am I looking for horns and antlers, I'm not only am I doing that, but I'm also putting the puzzle together for the following hunting season. I'm looking for all, all kinds of things while I'm out there looking for sheds. And what you had mentioned there, a, a lot of times I do, uh, I begin focusing on food sources, looking for the sheds. Yeah, that's that's late season food sources. Is, mm-hmm. uh, and in the mountains, it, it is a little different. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, the way the mountains lay, the the flats that go along the, the mountain faces, you know, you'll have a mountain face coming down into a flat and the flats will get scrapped up really easy because they're easier for the animals to cover. The deer and the bear and the, the turkey will scrap up the acorns like on the flats, the areas where there's flats. And then in late season, what's left are the acorn, acorns on the mountainsides, the real steep mm-hmm. mountainsides. And you'll go along a flat and be looking, not seeing anything, not much sign. And then, but then you'll, you'll see some trails. Then you'll look up on a hillside where there's a, a acorn point or an acorn flat or acorns on the hillside and the hillside will be destroyed. And I have found sheds on the steep face. I hate, I hate even looking there because it's a struggle, <laughs> but, but honestly, yeah. you can walk flats and sometimes look up on the hillsides and you can, you can, uh, that's a good way to find sheds, especially in the mountains. Um, but honestly, if, you know, if there's years when I don't find a, a strong acorn crop, I'm looking for the fields and the early successional growth, uh, like woody browse, because fiber in a, in a deer's diet, fiber in the late season, when they, when they ingest it, it, it creates a lot more heat, which takes in these cold, bitter days, it takes stress off of the deer's body. So, so eating woody browse mm-hmm. and little, uh, seed pods and you know th- things like that um in these early successional growth these thick areas these thickets even even briars and different things like that has a lot of fiber and when they eat that it, it creates internal heat and helps relieve the stress from the deer's body dave it, it's interesting you you brought up um food sources and and plots and things so the, the first time we had you on we talked a lot uh-huh. about these mountain food plots um mm-hmm. That was kind of the the topic that we were talking about. Are you planting a lot of these with the intention of them lasting through the winter? Like, or is it, are they specifically kill plots? I wish I could say, yes, that was my intention. But honestly, I have learned. And in the beginning, the answer to that was absolutely. I intended for that to happen. But unfortunately, what I have learned is the are the areas that I am planning uh, are not large enough for, uh, to sustain, I don't have enough carrying capacity, uh, enough space to be able to create plots that are large enough to be able to carry out through the year. Um, I'll be honest, my turnip and radish, um, dwarf Essex rape, and uh, uh, basically my late season plots are they they are absolutely to the ground right now. They're bare dirt right right now. Uh, and you and honestly, this year they were bare dirt in the end of february so uh i i don't have enough room to be able in most place in 90 percent of the places so what i have found what i'm trying to do now is rather than plant i plant plots for attraction but i also am finding by clearing some areas or either hinge cutting or girdling trees to create so that you know so the tree will die and sunlight will come through and then the you know, allow sunlight through so the, the forest floor will, will explode with growth and thicken up. Uh, I'm finding 
doing that is a better realistic uh, option for me to create this early successional growth um, to, to give late, really late season and into spring food sources. Man, that is, that is awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, people don't think about that. You know, it's, it's kind of like what you're saying earlier, looking for the acorns, you know, everybody's heavy to a hard mass uh, producing yeah. tree. That that's what they want. I, I'm dealing with a landowner who's a big time deer hunter and he's, want to do a timber timber harvest on his property and he's like hey let's let's leave all my white oaks leave all the hard mass producing trees and leave the good stem count i'm like first off we need to expose this forest floor to to have a year-round food to to hold these deer and it's you know it may not be the prettiest thing from an aesthetic point but that's necessary for a deer but um going going back with with kind of our you know your season's winding down as a yeah. hunter you're kind of tired of hunting you get done yeah. you know ruts over it's late season the next steps you know of, of looking for where these deer are living you know to to put the puzzle together for next for next year so i've yes. I've been fortunate in alabama i don't hunt a ton of places that are mountainous uh, but majority you know majority of our landscape is mountainous unless you get you know further south into the state um sure so yep. so for these for these guys in in mountain country you know say say we're going to start wanting to do shed hunting are yeah. you are you looking at like south facing slopes on the map to kind of key in these areas are you using trail camera data you know to say hey this buck's dropped let's go look for for his sheds kind of deal uh, yes yes and yes <laughs> basically awesome. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah i use my trail cameras uh you know, I'm using, I am keying in on the north facing slopes because a lot of times those deer are going to be bedding up there where the, as soon as that sun crests over the mountain, the first place the sun hits, they're going to try to be getting it to be getting warmed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I, I do both uh, using maps a lot to, to look to see where they, they may be staying. And yeah, that for sure. And, and, and I'm, I always use my maps when I find a shed, you better be believing I'm, I'm dropping pins. I'm dropping pins um, on my Onyx exactly where, you know, that's going to be. What, what program do you, do you all have a specific program you use or like a, as far as a mapping I, programs or? Well, I think we all use a multitude of, of different yeah. apps. Um, yeah, I, I really stick to, I mean, between yeah. HuntStand, Spartan Forge, Onyx, all of them, you know, I, I lean more to HuntStand, I guess, just because yeah. I, that's um, what I started with um they all all work it's what you're you're accustomed to they all work (laughs) right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they all have their things i that's funny you said that about the dropping the pin i i found the shed i think it was two weeks ago and i I dropped a pin on it and went back looking for it never found his other side but i had another another deer that i thought had dropped but he didn't he showed back up on trail camera so that just shows how that that can correlate, you know, when they're dropping, when you go out. Because I think it was within three days that he dropped that I went out there and found his, you know, antler yeah. wasn't chewed up. And it, man, that's a good feeling when you find one that's not that's not chewed up. It is. It sure is. That's awesome, Dave. Um, when when you talk about dropping those pins on the sheds that you do find, how sure. often would you say that that initial find of his shed has led to you killing a a buck the next year hmm you know year to year that is different because of this reason uh in in years where 
there are heavy like acorn uh acorn crops and then um good mass years and then the say the next year there will be another year that's similar to to the one the year that you found the shed the year before Th that will be a really good telltale sign of where you know the area that buck will be but I have also found a shed in an area during a good mass year, then the next year be a mass fail. And that deer is nowhere in the country. He's, he's somewhere else food. Uh, I think a lot of people underestimate the, uh, the power of the food source for, for deer um, and, and patterning them. But uh, like if, if there are several years in a row where things are similar, you have just a, you just have a, um, a similar acorn crop. Um, and then, you know, toward the end of season, the acorns are, are getting kind of scrapped up by the, by the game. And then they'll go back. I found this, if, if a deer is in an area where in the summertime, if they're using a plate, uh, field or kind of a field area with a lot of, uh, uh, forage and, uh, a lot of, uh, vegetation, green vegetation, I found that later in the year, once the acorns drop, you know how it is, you'll, you'll get them early season around the fields. Then they'll disappear into the acorns and you'll think they're gone. And then late season, I've found they will definitely come back mm -hmm. uh, to those to those green areas because there's usually a lot of early successional growth there and um, a lot of a lot of browse. So they a lot of times they will come back. But there are some variables I've found in the past few years. Um, it's, it's depending on, you know, what where the food is and if that food shifts from year to year. So to that thought, I, I assumed you were going to say something similar because very few yeah. people like on a regular basis, kill the deer that they find the sheds to like, yes. it, it's not, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's, it doesn't happen because it absolutely does. But most guys who are like you, who are going out and doing this kind of thing, eventually, you know, yeah, it's going to work out where you do kill that buck. But, um, I guess my question to, to follow up the first question was, are you basically just going out and using it? Cause so I guess preface by saying, obviously there are some people who go and shed hunt because it's just fun to shed hunt. And it's like an yeah. actual like pursuit. Then there's some people like, sure. I believe yourself are like, you're going out to shed hunt for a purpose. Like, yeah, it's cool to yeah. have that antler, but you're trying to put it together. And that's like this oh, two, yeah. two groups of people. Um, are you using just this is your main tactic to just try to figure out where bucks in general are hanging out when they're dropped, like where these food sources are? Like, is that the puzzle piece that you're putting together right here? Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, the, the shed is a bonus. <laughs> um, yeah. me, what I'm doing and you, you can look at my, you can look at my map and it is, blitzed with pins of of what i'm about to say did you just say As i I'm can look out, at your map well glance <laughs> <laughs> from a distance i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> no it's just kidding no but for real while i'm out there and i'm looking for these sheds in these same areas where i'm i'm thinking the deer are going to be you know using i am pinning every bit every scrape line every scrape line i'm i'm pin, like noticing how aggressive the uh, licking branch is. I do that a lot. How high up, you know, the, the licking branch is and how twisted. I love finding those beech trees that are, you know, they're tough. The limbs are super tough and the deer can't really break them and tear them down. But they, the, when a big buck gets the, his antlers in those beech trees, it'll twist them around. And when I find that, 
Yeah, I really, I, I, I usually double pin a, a scrape there to know that that's a real aggressive one. And then uh, I'm pinning scrape lines. I'm pinning big rubs. That's, you know, and, and usually you can tell if a rub is done like in the really early season or if it's done mid season or done even like into the second rut. And usually I'll make a note on that pin, like a late season, mid season or early season rub, because that's, that's really key too. when that rub was established. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so, so I'm putting all this together and there was a really interesting tactic. A friend of mine, um, old timer told me years ago, and I've, I've started carrying some Ziploc baggies in my, um, in my pack while I'm shed hunting. And a lot of times these big mature bucks, they will, uh, they will lay scat either in or right near the, uh, or really close to, uh, you know, a big scrape that they have. I will take that and, and take leaves and scoop it into that bag and freeze it until the next year and take those. Usually that's a mature buck from what I've heard. You know, if it's a mature looking scrape that I think I'll freeze that. And then the next year, take that back out in another area and put that in another buck scrape that I'm hunting. But I only do that if it's, I really feel like that, that buck I'm targeting is the Hmm. one and I I don't go through that extreme measures for every deer. (laughs) But if I'm having trouble (laughs) That is a that is a tactic that it really works, really wow. works. I like it. Now, do you have do you have a special freezer just for that? You don't keep your egos beside the deer scat, do you? <laughs> My wife is sitting in here about fifteen feet from me in the living room, so I'm going to say yes. I have a <laughs> exclusive area for that. You know what I mean. i do actually have a a game a game freezer that i'm allowed that i got free reign on um yeah yeah, i can't get near the i can't get near her her freezers yeah (laughs) you 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 made a good point um with how you how you mark everything i think a lot of people discount you know not to say technology um, necessarily and I know, I know we have a lot of new things that old timers used to not have i mean they still killed big bucks back in the day but sure. i think you know a map you, you you read the definition of a map and and what it means but a map with pins on it, it it almost not necessarily you know leads you to the treasure or anything like that but it tells it tells its own story you know if you, oh, if you lay enough pins with the signs then look at the big picture, zoom out, look at the big picture, man, it is painting you a map. It really, it really is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, Oh, you must hunt a lot to be able to, I, I only hunt. This is something I try to emphasize to people that probably, I I think that has helped more people and and including myself uh, than any of the advice I ever give and any advice has been given to me is, and I've heard other people say this, I only hunt when it's time to hunt. Basically, what I'm saying is I only hunt if I feel like I'm going to go out and sit in that tree and kill that deer. If I don't feel like really have a good chance at it, I scout. I would rather use my time scouting. I scout a whole lot more than I hunt. Yeah, that's that's huge because I, I've been in the boat and I think, you know, any hunter, you it's FOMO, you know, afraid of missing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I mean, some people would say, oh, you never know. More more time in the stand is better, you know. 
during the rut that. that that's during the rut yep that i can i can definitely get on board with that but man pre-rut and early season and even late season it's better to you make your make your sits count mm-hmm. yeah, yeah definitely yeah now I know we, we've talked about with the sheds and finding a shed if it leads to a buck, you know, the magical thing. I, I enjoy finding, the, you know, and finding them because, you know, I may never, you may never lay hands on this deer, but you, you have a piece of him, you know, kind of some history. But in these areas and go into kind of the postseason scout, I I think I see it as a great time to go into areas you, you've stayed out of all year. Do you, do you have like certain days? you know, postseason where you go into these areas and just really see if the deer was living in there? I have a couple pieces. I have one track that we, uh, uh, it's a, it's a least a track that I have that three or four other guys, we hunt 40 acres of it and it's 600 acres. Wow. Never, we never touch the other parts. Complete sanctuary. And that is absolutely key, man. The areas where I even on even on like public land and and I have areas where it, you know anybody else they're they're free to go as they will, but it, they're areas that I'm like, hey, this is brutal. There are rock cliffs, <laughs> there are mm-hmm. steep faces, and I, the chances are nobody is going to go in there. And I think that buck is betting in there, so I'm going to stay out and make that create like a sanctuary in my own mind. I'm not going to risk going in there. I'm going to hunt the fringes of this of this area. You know what I mean? To to allow that buck to feel safe in that region. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. um, so so with the rock faces you were talking about, I I have some places that have bluff gaps, and it, and when people say bluff gaps, I think you know some folks think, hey, this deer could walk through a truck size you know window or whatever. I found gaps where a human could barely fit through it, you know, that they're, that they're running up. And so, you know, postseason, that's a great time to get out and just walk these areas to find this stuff. And I, I don't know, do y'all have rattlesnakes bad up there? Where you're Rattlesnakes? From? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm, they're, getting worse. they're getting worse too, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I'm not wanting to get out, out in the summer and scout these, these rock faces. Um, because, yeah, the winter's a great time. It's a know, great thought. Just, I've never even had rough. that thought about about postseason scouting. You're able to get into some of these. Maybe if it's a you know still in that cooler weather, you can get into some of these areas that otherwise yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't want to walk through in the summertime. Especially what I call some of the jungle. Yeah, the jungle is man that get real thick and really like timbered areas. It's, mm-hmm. Man, the winter time it's it's a thousand times. Uh, easier to be able to get into some of those areas than in the summer when it all all the foliage is on and the briars are out in full force and yeah oh yeah it's a lot easier to slip through there in the winter oh yeah and you can see the good thing about it when all the in the winter time you can see everything you can see how everything lays out and 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 another thing in the in the late season it, it really paints a more accurate picture than scouting in early season but and why i say that you may be hunting an area thinking, oh, I'm hunting a complete thicket. You can't see 10 foot in front of your face. But then when the foliage falls, you can see for 300 yards. That mm-hmm. deer's not going to be staying anywhere around there. You know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. 
that's that's a great time to put that picture together too to to gauge if you're hunting a thick area or not yeah so so you're talking about the, uh, just using this property as an example you're uh you hunt 40 acres of a 600 acre piece and yeah. you say that, it, that it's complete sanctuary when you say complete do you mean like even in like scouting and all that kind of stuff like you don't you won't even go scout in there or or do you mean like you know complete sanctuary deer and deer season but we still get in there and scout it um the only time well i mean complete the only time we go in there is to shed hunt or to recover a deer wow that's i mean to me that's just commitment it's hard which which i mean granted you're talking about a private piece and everybody's on the same page on that's, public land that's, that's exactly right it's yeah. so hard not to get on public land it's hard not to get that like somebody if somebody goes in there i want it to be me you know what i mean like i know what that, you mean. that's a hard argument to have with yourself luke's got his yeah. hand raised and luke has not ha, has not spoken all evening so yeah i've just been listening it's been, yeah it's been a good combo so with the 40 acres that you're talking about um or however big that is like that smaller piece in a bigger parcel are you specifically waiting until basically rut where it's just chancing them walking through? Because what if they're like early season? What if a, let's say a target buck that you know is in the area, you may be knowing where his core area is. Let's say he's honed in on that specific area elsewhere from that 40 acres or however much you're hunting. Is it, is it kind of scattered 40 acres throughout the 600 or is it like a a area together that's like 40 acres? Does that make sense? It's a great question. So here's the way it is. It's a uh it's pretty much a 600 acre square, pretty much, and it's all um, like a one mountain. So basically there is a ridge road that runs along the mountain. And that ridge road get, takes it that we use that for access back the only access we don't take four wheelers down off of points we don't we don't do anything like that we're just going out using that one ridge road as access and then each of us guys have we have like one guy will walk 200 yards off of this one point off this off into a, a bench area or this other guy he may walk off into a, like a hot we, we're very meticulous about how we access based off of the prevailing winds and things like that um yeah for so, sure so basically that 40 acres includes like the the road area that's being disturbed that we're traveling out and then basically we're just going out like i said 100 to 200 yards off these off these points off of the ridge and that that is all because i've out, i've outlined it before to see how much area that we're really disturbing and it's it's right around 40 acres uh, but but that 40 acres is a is basically a road going out and then us just diving off some little points so basically wait waiting rather than trying to go out and blitz it and find that deer in the early season and do all this we're putting cameras out in this on that track and we're waiting for the deer to come into the area and, and nice that way when when it's time to go hunt we we know we use we use cell cameras in those areas yeah so that way when it's time to hunt we know it's time to hunt right and until then we stay out I, i'm gonna i'm not lying that track i'm telling you about 
Uh, I killed a deer. Oh gosh. It's been 11 years ago and I have not carried a bow on it since. But but now my other buddies they've killed they've killed they've killed like in the past six or seven years they I think they've killed like three bucks off of it. But I I I just there hasn't been anything on there that um that's kind of in the 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 range that I I like to pursue. So I've I've just held on to it and I just keep that place as an option. And and I I know that someday the time will come when. I have something in there and my, my chances to go in there and, and hunt it and kill it will, will be pretty good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, like what Parker was saying, especially on private, you being able to, yeah. cause I think most people, if they want, um, which 600, 600 acres is a big parcel. So, um, yeah. which, I, but let me travel, say, in but, West, in wait, West Virginia, where I'm like a 600 acre track with like a four guy or yeah four guys honestly you probably have about 150 acres of huntable land because nice. of the mountain and terrain yeah so yeah. the that parcel um yeah whether you're being which i guess it like the bigger the parcel and it depends on if the deer's got everything it needs, obviously, but that doesn't really matter if they're chasing does, they're going to go wherever they want to go. Um, anyway. That makes sense. Having those areas, you're going to have to have untouched areas is what you're saying in yeah. order for those bucks to want to stay and want to come back or being able to grow. And you, you're saying, you're y'all are basically just like what you said you're being precise on if you find a target buck you may have one way in one way out but you're yes. you're figuring out how and where you need to be in order to kill that buck walking where it's gonna go that make it makes sense yeah yes I like it. yeah man that's that can get deep and that can get deep real quick. A lot of, a lot of homework goes into, into setting these, these places up. It seems like, you know, with, with mapping, commitment. you know, that that's yeah. The commitment, commitment, no doubt. commitment. I mean, like what, what Dave said, talking about it was 11 years ago, but you're still on that property, right? You're still, you're still, still on there. that lease. Like, like that's a, that's commitment. It's hard to justify that, but yeah, or knowing to do it. Even the public stuff, you know, I know, I know a lot of people are just confined to some public stuff. I, I, my my strategy is the same. Have uh, rather than having having a one having one area of public, and I know guys that do this, and they will go in and put all their effort in one track, and, and they'll the year after year they're on that one track, and they'll have different areas. I personally would rather have one spot on that one track after looking it all over, pick me out a spot or two, and then go and have three more different areas on different WMAs. Like what I'm saying is I I like to have options. Options options are how you kill them consistently. You got to have the options because what may, you you just never know about what may happen. There may be a flood of people in one region one year, and then the next year might not be as many people. Or, you know, the deer may be in one area one year and, it, you know, there's just so many variables that play into it. But what I'm saying is my mentality is I try to find if I'm going into public, 
I'm looking for the most rugged areas where people will not want to go. And those are the areas I want to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that that was something I had written down to talk about is the, the physical challenge of hunting in the mountains. Yeah. Um, I know that's, you know, people don't really think about that. But, I mean, you kind of got to be in a little bit of shape to walk around these mountains to scout, to, to put in the time. Um, better believe it. It's, it's dedication. And yeah. not, not a lot of people are cut from that cloth, you know, to yeah. – to go in and put in the postseason scout and then be able to reap the reward. A lot of people want to just, you know, kill the big buck and hey, look what I did. But nobody you, puts in uh, the you true guys time. Are, you guys are picking picking up exactly what when people ask me, how do you kill how do you kill the deer you kill? I always tell them two two main things. I always say options, but the most important thing, hard work. Mm-hmm. Hard work. And a lot of people aren't, aren't, you know, aren't willing to put the, the, I mean, it's, it's, it can be grueling. Um, uh, you know, you, it, it, I get this year was really hard on me. Uh, it was, it was just a lot of, a lot of the deer that I had seen, um, uh, my different people had taken one deer, one deer was poached. I was, um, I had six bucks over 160 killed that I had on my radar that was 160 plus killed before I had honestly a chance to go. I would, it's so crazy. I had, I was making up my list and it was mo- the most deer at or over 160 I'd ever had. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at these deer, putting them, you know, categorizing, okay, I'm going to hunt this one first. I would go in to hunt this deer and either it would either be killed one or two days after I was after it, or, or it was already dead. I had one deer. A buddy of mine didn't even know he was hunting it on another track on the backside. Um, he was hunting it, and uh, I went in on a Saturday. I'd been, I'd found it like on a Tuesday. Went and set up midweek on it, uh, either Thursday or Friday. Went in and set in on a, on a Saturday evening. Saw a post Sunday morning of him with the deer. I said, "Dude, when did you kill that deer?" I said, "I just got set up." On it. <laughs> I, I was congratulating him. He's a good friend of mine. And he said, man, I killed it Saturday morning. So I was hunting a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) The deer was dead and I was sitting in my stand hoping it would come by. (laughs) That happened six, six times this year. Six times. Yeah. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. that's crazy really i've got two questions um i've asked uh people that kill bucks on a reg you're one of those people how out of hunters one to a hundred hunter being everybody what percentage of hunters are actually scouting postseason and getting ready for deer season year round you think it's going to be small but i was going to see what you said Hmm. 
I know a lot of people that get out and they'll shed hunt and stuff, but people that actually get out and, and purposefully scout and they're, they're putting pins and they're trying to put the picture together in late, late season, uh, post season and late season. Uh, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking 15, 10, 10, 10 to 15%. Slow. Which I guess I mean that makes sense because the percentage of the guys that are killing big bucks every year that's low too. Um, yeah. The other yeah. question that I had um, was percentage wise on hunting and scouting. How how much are you scouting? Which I know you already mentioned that you're 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 scouting way more than what you're actually hunting, but it's specifically to set you up for a successful hunt but what what yeah. would you say that percentage is in the past five years i'm just this is just uh I'm, I'm just trying to think back in the past five years of the five bucks i harvested the past five years i probably hunted uh i know one year i hunted three days i know one year i hunted it took me a little longer. I hunted about 10 days. Uh, but, but usually somewhere between usually somewhere or no, no more than no more than 15 to 20 days. I mean, but that, that, that's a lot. Oh, that's a tremendous amount for me. Geez, tremendous. Man. So you get to most, kill big bucks and have a happy wife. I was literally just <laughs> thinking, dear Lord, that is, that is that's a, all, that's crazy. a miracle. No, but, no, but here, no, it's not. Trust me, because I am. You can ask her. I am burning boot leather and wearing myself out. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm scouting. He's in the woods all those other days. Yeah, yeah, yeah scouting. That's true. Killing myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm checking. I ran about sixty, right around sixty trail cameras, and I'm. And sometimes a lot of those cell cameras or, or trail cameras do not have cell service. So, so, so I, there's three cell cameras or, or regular cameras that won't get service in one, some of my favorite areas. There's three cameras that takes me six and a half hours if I'm going full steam ahead to check. Wow. Gosh. To get into those areas and check three cameras takes me six and a half hours. God. Um, last week, we got talking about trail cameras. I'm a big advocate of them. I think Luke uses them a pretty good bit. Parker's just now kind of getting into it. But um, I've got a thing where I like to leave them for like a whole year in an area. And I guess like if, if I had a spot that was six hours, I'd leave it a whole year just to get intel. Um, Trust me. And it, yes. That, yes. You, you do the same thing? million percent. I do. I do. Yep. I, I, and I have, you know, some cameras that are better and, you know, on public, I have some cameras that are just old cheapos. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah. I do not. I do not own a lockbox. <laughs> uh, I usually hang my cameras, you know, ten to fifteen feet off the ground and pitch them, pitch them down, um, mm -hmm. angle them down, and that keeps the bear keeps the bear away from them and takes takes away the uh, you know a lot of the theft. The majority of the theft is was relieved whenever I started doing that. Yeah. Now, are you still have some cell cameras going right now, even after season? No, no. I can't. I usually cancel them at the end of the year. Then I'll I'll fire okay. a few back for turkey season. But uh, yeah, yeah. The, the reason I asked, I I've, so I've kind of been looking at my stuff lately on my cameras to see how these deer are reacting because it seems like 
you know, whether it be us not looking for deer when the season ends, you know, they're kind of the last thing we think about, or if the deer are really, you know, disappearing, going somewhere else, just getting, getting out of there. But what I've seen from my cameras is, yeah, they do disappear, but there's, it seems like there's certain days that peak, um, peak that deer movement. So like here in Alabama, it dropped this morning. It was like 25, something like that. It got real cold. And my cameras just started blowing up. I don't have feed yeah. out. I have some I have some mineral sites out and on some main yeah. travel trails, yeah. but that that movement picked up, you know. And so that's that's indicated to me, you know, that the weather changed. You know, had them up on their feet looking for food. But do you see like throughout the season, you know? So at the end of the season, we quit deer hunting. Are these deer automatically moving to a different food source? Like when green up starts happening, you know, or how quick do you think they move from one food source to another? Oh yeah. They, they are dialed in. Like, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's sort of like the yearling deer kind of will hang with the, you know, the older, more mature deer and the old mature deer haven't figured out, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They'll know where to transition. And I've even seen places where there's, you know, good food sources some year. And then there's not like with acorn crops, you know, some places where they traditionally will live, and those acorns but then i've seen years where there's mass fail the deer i've seen on camera will come back and they'll they'll check they'll check those areas you know what i mean and then they'll say okay there's no food they'll leave for a while they'll come back check a little bit and then they'll they'll do that a few times then they won't come back i've definitely seen that they 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 get keyed in on the food and they'll they'll depend on that yeah okay yeah that's that's just something that intrigues me i've around the south you know we've got tons and tons of timber cuts and thickets so it it can be really hard to to get in there unless you're just got a briar proof bomb proof suit to get in there to to hunt after them but um you guys seen have you guys seen uh, speaking on what you're talking about there uh on those thicket those thickets areas where or those they're called uh ecotone edges like where the uh thicket meets like an open timber or a thicket meets a field those lines right where the hard mm-hmm. or a pine thicket or a pine you know a pine grove meets a thicket transitions yeah those lines those ecotone edges have have you guys key in on those and, and see yes. bucks run those and, and, and lay scrape lines and they really run those pretty hard yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i i mean sure. we yes. we had a guest uh dave his name is matt powell and i talk about him a lot he uh-huh. always he kills big deer every single year in multiple states, and yeah. the first time we ever had him on, he talked about uh, it was titled "X Marks the Spot," and he's talking about how he finds those areas where he can almost make an X with the different habitat types coming together. Um, <laughs> those because yeah. because what those deer do, they're working those edges like that, and the more edges yeah. you have come together in one spot, right? It 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 just like draws them yeah it draws them in funnels them in yes mm-hmm. yes i yep yep I, I definitely key in on those those ed, the edge habitat for sure yeah so so talking about these thickets dave um and yep. open hardwoods like th- there's multiple things about with the areas that you that you hunt that are that are difficult and one of one of them the obvious one is terrain the other one yes. is probably everything that i've seen from that area it looks incredibly incredibly thick um when you actually set up a spot to be a kill spot like 
like whether it's over one of your kill plots that you that you plant one of your mountain plots or or whatever like are you typically finding that what you do is set up in those more open woods um oh very and, and watch the edge watch the thick edge are you getting in the thicket with these deer yeah i like to get a lot of times you know there will be um if it, if there's a thicket and then the deer are coming out of the thicket to come into like a hardwood um like an acorn growth to to feed in the evening at nighttime uh, a lot of times i'll i will step back into the thicket just uh just a few few yards uh 20 30 yards because usually what will happen if a buck is bedding in that thicket he will use that um uh as a staging area he will he'll get up out of his bed and he'll come like to the edge of that thicket sort of uh or where he can see into the open and he i have seen deer do this time and time again they'll come into that last 20 30 yards of the thicket and they will stop and stay there until it is dark yeah yeah i've seen that too man so that's where i'm setting up so i'm I'm pulling this back into into this postseason scouting because last week one of the things that i mentioned is um during turkey season a lot of times is when i do most of my postseason scouting um because we we used to open up in march so you got lots of leaf off turkey hunting to do and you can scout do that that same type of postseason scouting um but i talked about getting into these like clear cuts is what we have we have a lot of clear cut property um and that's kind of the quote-unquote thickets that usually i'm hunting the edges of and this seems to be a really good time to get in the woods but what i'm finding is that there are there are guys who do what i do and hunt those edges where all those edges come together and we're pretty consistent, right? Like we can kill decent buck, you know, here and there, whatever. But what I'm finding is is the more I talk to people like you and the more I just watch and pay attention to the deer is that they're all coming out of these thickets when I'm hunting them. Um, That's how I'm hunting them coming out. So it seems to be like the best strategy is to be in that thicket. And yeah. instead of the edges, because your opportunity just goes up so much more. You're de- you're giving yourself daylight, but you're also playing the game that you really got. That's where you study your map. That's mm-hmm. where you need to really study your map because, and you can look and, and kind of guess where he's betting without getting in there and bumping him out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as brave as, as a few, some of these guys I've seen. I've seen some guys, they will carry their, stands in on their back that will go into where they think that buck's betting intentionally like try to see him go they'll slip in like indian style sneak in try to try to bump him out and then when they do where they bump him they'll set their stand up yeah. come back in, come back in two hours before daylight the next morning set up and mm-hmm. kill him coming into his bed the next morning I don't, I don't play that game <laughs> i'm i'm like i'm 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 doing what you're talking about I find the edge and then go, go in toward, toward where you think, uh, you know, set, well, here's another good way to do it is set up cameras on flats coming out of that, you know, coming out of that thicket, set up cameras on the, on the edge, uh, and the, on different places throughout the edge, find out where the target buck that you're, you're hunting is coming out. Then, then go, go into that thicket really slowly, 50 yards in. Um, I, that the and I've done that with um, using saddles a lot. That that's a great way to saddle hunt. 
Shoot, man. That's I mean tie, tie it all in. That's where that's where I'm I'm getting I, I obviously want to still continue to be closer to the close to the edges, right? Yes. Like I want to be yes. closer than I am in the heart of the thicket. But man, I'm seeing so many of these deer come out of these thick areas either um like like right after that you hear about that all the time. So getting in there, like actually yeah. there, whether you have to hunt on the ground or find get, a sketchy get, tree. Well, hey, and let me let me tell you something. If you and if you're going to do that, go in into the thicket some, leave 45 minutes early and take that 45 minutes going crazy slow into that. I mean, what every step, take three steps like a squirrel, like you're mimicking a squirrel, take three steps like and then stop for three, two or three minutes. Yeah. Then take three or four steps. You know what I mean? Or uh-huh. I've taken a turkey call uh, and like lightly purred, like purred and like scratched, like as I'm going in, sounding like a, a turkey feeding. I've done that many times in in places. If you if you told somebody that, that wasn't a hunter that they would think you were crazy. Oh, I'm acting like a squirrel. Oh, I'm acting like a turkey in in the woods. They would just look at Dude, you like you're that- insane. Tell me the big buck is not sitting out there in his bed listening to everything coming. Yeah, up. if he can't see, he's he using his ears. He knows a patternable person walking from 500 yards away. You know Just what I mean? Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They, they, they know it. But, uh, Dave, we uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your night to, uh, to talk with us. Uh, we've enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah, with postseason shed hunting, everything in between um and it, it, it's hard to talk sometimes about deer right now because we're we're thinking about turkeys here in the deep south you know getting ready oh, yeah me too i'm already getting ready up here <laughs> but uh it, it just it just shows how dedicated of a deer hunter uh you are and how you get after them and, and why you have success um it, it's pre- pretty clear um but if you would tell tell everybody on the podcast where they can find you as far as social media and your biology background stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, you can look up uh, Dave is Outdoors on Instagram or uh, just David Miller uh, on uh, on Facebook. And uh, I, I have a thing called Appalachian Range Outdoors. It's just a, a hunting community thing we do here in our area. Uh, you can look up Appalachian Range Outdoors, um, and uh, you can find me there. But uh, but yeah, if you ever ha- anyone ever has questions, they can reach out, and I'm glad glad to help out any way I can. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Dave, thanks. Thanks again, and uh, you have a good rest of your week, and thank y'all for listening. Thanks, Dave. Hey, you guys, you guys too. Thank you guys. Hey, and uh, good luck down there in Florida. Keep keep smashing them. I appreciate it. We're going to try. <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, good talking to you guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch read some blog articles and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.